Amen. If you would turn in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 18. I thank the Lord and for Grace Baptist Church for allowing me this privilege to uh, bring forth the word. And uh, this is perhaps something that's been brewing in my heart for a while now. If you would all stand as well, we'll read it all together. It's Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 18. I titled the message, Wisdom and Its Evil Twin. Wisdom and Its Evil Twin. So Ecclesiastes chapter number 1, verse 18. Here's what it says. Let's all read it together. For in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. Before I have you seat, I'll uh, just open up in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for today, and I thank you the, for this privilege, Lord, to bring forth your word. Uh, it's, it's not something I take lightly, and Lord, it's, it is indeed your word. It is a, the most powerful thing that's in this universe, and I pray, Father, that it would not miss its target, that you would speak to our hearts, anyone here uh, that may be struggling with uh, what we will be talking about. I pray, Father, that uh, you would speak to their hearts, and I, it, may it not be my words, Lord, may it be your words speaking through me. I thank you, Lord, for all that you do in our lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So good wisdom is precious because there is only one source for it. Uh, But once you have it, once you have good wisdom, it should change you forever. Now, wisdom also has a price tag, and it has a very high price tag. And I'll tell you more about it later. But while the whole Bible would have you think about faith and living by faith, Solomon here in the book of Ecclesiastes, he goes at it from a different perspective. In fact, just before he ends his introduction into his book that he just wrote, just before he ends the introduction, his... uh, His little conclusion here is, for in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. Solomon is about to take what we would call living by faith, and he's going at it from a different perspective. It was almost as if Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, was presenting the ultimate summary for everything there is to life. The ultimate summary that there is to everything there is to life. In life, you ever had those questions where you asked yourself, why does this have to happen? Why does it have to be this way? Why does it always have to be the way it's going? And perhaps Solomon had these questions as well, and you know that he did. Now, have you ever had those questions where, or statements where you said, if only I... If I only knew about this, if only I had a billion dollars, if only I knew this before I did that. See, now the differences between you and me is that, and Solomon, of course, the, between, the difference between you, me, and Solomon is that Solomon, he was able to explore these questions to the uttermost, and he came up with the conclusions. See, that's the difference. A person, uh, if you would ask yourself, If only I had a billion dollars, well, Solomon had the billion dollars. If only I knew this, well, Solomon knew this. 
If only I could get that person to do this. While Solomon was the king of the united Israel, he could make anyone do what he wanted. So, I believe that Solomon, if he would have lived another thousand years, would have agreed with something John said. In 1 John 2, verse 15 to 17, you don't have to turn there, but it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Doing God's will is wise. Solomon is showing us what would happen if a person goes and does whatever they want, and then a person goes off and does what God wants. There's two kinds of wisdom now taking place. We usually, as Christians, when we hear the word wisdom, there's this green check mark that goes off in our head thinking, yeah, well, wisdom, we ought to seek after it. We need to go after it. But now Solomon, he's presenting to us something that's very different. He's presenting to us two different types of wisdom. There is such a thing as a good and a bad wisdom. Because how could wisdom bring grief? How could wisdom bring grief? If this same writer who told us in Proverbs that the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge and to despise wisdom is foolish, then how could wisdom be bad? Because I'd like to say that there is such a thing as bad wisdom. Let's take a look at it here. The worldly wisdom. That's the first point. The worldly wisdom. There is such a thing as the wisdom of the world or I'd like to call it bad wisdom. When we read this verse, the context is alluding to something about wisdom, something about wisdom that is a little bit off outside of God. Wisdom outside of God is worldly wisdom, and that's bad wisdom. That's what it is. In the end, it is just vanity. It will bring grief. Take a look at it here. For in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. And you take, the, uh, take a look at the verses just before it. I'll, I'll, I'm jumping ahead here a little bit, but there is this mentality in the world today that if you gain knowledge, that's wisdom. Just knowledge. Knowledge is coming in disguise. Worldly knowledge. There's, a, there's this mentality, especially amongst the younger generation today, that you need to leave your nest. You need to leave where you grew up. You need to go explore the world and go explore the different parts of your country or different parts of the world so that you can have an open mind, so that your mind can be more receptive towards different cultures and such. Of course, you know that the pandemic brought an end to that. So does that mean now that these kids are dumb? No, that's not, what, that's not what's going on. While there is some truth to that, you don't need to travel to gain wisdom. Some think that asking the opinion of so-called experts of this world is how you gain wisdom. That's not so either. The world thinks that it is wiser because they see creation 
as an attribute of random sequences of events. They call this evolution. They think that these random sequence of events that happen by chance, the result of what they call the Big Bang, is wise. Here, take a look here in Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Romans chapter 1 and verse 21, it outlines something that Paul saw amongst the world. When they look at creation, there's two things that show that there is a God. Even to those who never heard of Jesus Christ, they still have two witnesses in their lives. The conscience and creation. Well, here's what happens when an unsaved world sees creation. In verse 21 here, chapter 1, verse 21, all the way to verse 23, it says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and four-footed beasts, and creeping things, these were things that the Romans could even see in their own personal city, the, in, the, in the city of Rome. They can see how the gods were not just, they didn't just look like human beings, they looked like animals too. And so it seems that the world doesn't see creation the way God would show us creation. We see the wisdom of God in creation, but the world doesn't see it that way. They see it as a bunch of random sequences, random chance. The worldly wisdom has become foolishness in God's eyes. Take a look here also in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. What does God think about the wisdom of the world? 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, all the way to verse 20. Chapter 3, verse 18 to 20. Here's what it says, let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he that taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise that they are vain. You, can you picture this for a moment? The wisest man in the world is as foolishness before God. Going back to our verse here, let's go back to Ecclesiastes here. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. How do we know that what Solomon was looking at was actually worldly wisdom? How do we know it? Well, take a look here in verse 17. And I gave my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive that this also is vexation of spirit. Let me ask you this. When was the last time when you were reading God's word, God's word that is filled with wisdom? When was the last time you were reading God's word and you became mad, as in crazy? Do you know of somebody who read the Bible and then became crazy? You see, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. That's what the Bible says. It gives you truth, and it frees you up. It doesn't make you mad. Ecclesiastes 1.16, here's where it is, the, just the verse before it. I communed with mine own heart, 
saying, Lo, I am come to great estate and have gotten more wisdom than all they that have been before me in Jerusalem. Yea, my heart and great experience of wisdom and knowledge. He communed. Did you catch it? He communed in his own heart. I communed with my own heart. What does the Bible say about the heart? See, sometimes, in, another, in other words, what Solomon was starting to say was that I have peace about it. I have peace about the things that I've, made, I've done, about my wisdom. I don't think that there is any preacher that's ever come up to this pulpit who's ever preached that's had actual proper peace without having anxiety, without having stress before he preached. Though he be wise, any preacher that came up here, there's no peace about it. There's a big bit and good stress about it when you're preaching. As Christians, you shouldn't have a peace in your heart that there's upwards of 7 billion people on the, in this earth right now that are on their way to hell. You shouldn't have a peace about that. I want to suggest, perhaps, if you do have a peace about that, that you might have a spiritual problem as well. You shouldn't have a peace about compromising your biblical standards. You shouldn't have a peace when your Christian testimony is about to get ruined. Chances are a Christian that feels at peace in this world has gotten tied up with this world. Their investments, the Christian who feels at peace in this world, their investments have become worldly investments. They're not heavenly investments. They're waiting to cash in on the things of this world rather than to cash in when they get to heaven. Christian, I earnestly discourage you from pursuing what the world would call wise. Stop pursuing the things of this world just because you think it's wise. I strongly re-encourage you to rethink your decision and check where your heart is. Solomon's heart led him astray. Stop doing what your heart is telling you, you to do. Don't listen to your heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now, I told you that there was a price tag to wisdom. Wisdom has a very high price tag. And Solomon's conclusion was that much wisdom comes with much sorrow. And that's very correct. And you've probably heard of this story, the white elephant story. Parts of Burma, Thailand, in Laos, and in Cambodia, monarchs would hunt for these prized possessions, these white elephants. And the white elephant is a sign of opulence. It's a sign that you are a rich monarch, that your kingdom was all together, that you were well organized. This animal was considered even sacred because they were rare. And they were, they were seen as sacred properties. You could not kill a white elephant. You must do your utmost to try and keep your white elephant alive. Now, here's the thing. The, the elephant had to be groomed daily with the utmost care, had to be fed with the king's portion of quality, of food. And the blessing of opulence would soon become the bane or the curse of the monarch. Because how much resources are you going to spend every single day taking care of a white elephant? 
It's like the water fountain. It's just there. And it became a glorious money pit. So these monarchs would hunt for these elephants. They would go after them as much as they can, but it would only become a curse in the end. Oftentimes, Christians fall into the trap of Satan where we think we are getting a great deal on this earth, where we think that investing in things on this earth, investing our time, investing our talents, investing our treasures into this world will give us some great dividends. But in the end, it only brings us to our ends. Just because we are able to consume something upon our lusts doesn't mean that it was of God. Just because we got something that would please us doesn't mean it was of God. Satan puts little things in our lives as well to try and slow us down. And sometimes we never even notice it. No one else got something. Therefore, you should probably reconsider. Try reconsidering perhaps the next job. Try reconsidering perhaps taking the next gift. Try reconsidering spending wherever you're spending time in. Now that is worldly wisdom. Let's go to godly wisdom, the good wisdom. There is much wisdom to be gained from the word of God. And now I want to just tell you this little, little snippet, this little fact. You've heard of Ivy League schools, right? An Ivy League school. You've heard of Harvard. You've heard of Dartmouth perhaps Cornell, Yale, you've heard of Princeton. All these schools started as small Bible colleges, as tiny little Bible colleges. All they wanted to do was train up people who would preach God's word, who would pray, who would start churches. That's all they wanted to do. Now you look at those colleges, now you look at those schools, if somebody graduates from one of those schools, they become one of these high esteemed leaders in this world. But you see, nevertheless, these schools started because they sought the wisdom of God first. That was the greatest wisdom to behold. The graduates that came out of these schools became some of the leaders that, you, we, uh, that the world still looks at greatly but they started off as Bible colleges in these things. So parents, I urge you as well to study God's word. Study God's word and teach it to your kids. Teach it to your kids so that they can teach their grandkids. We need that. This world, you, you can see how this world is. It's going down. So why would you invest in it? The Bible isn't some memorabilia to have in your home to show off to people. It's to be shared, it's to be loved, it's to be read every day. It's to be listened to and lived by every single day. See, I didn't grow up in a tithing home. I didn't grow up tithing my income. I didn't grow up supporting missionaries. It wasn't part of my nature to do such a thing. I didn't grow up wanting to give my life to God. I didn't grow up wanting to give my life to full-time ministry. But I am thankful for the wisdom God gave to my parents 
to still bring me up. But nevertheless, godly wisdom is to be sought after. So, if you're a Christian who is now receiving this knowledge, how much greater of a responsibility do you have to the next generation? With great power that you have been given, you now have greater responsibility. Because it's a sorry sight when you see Christian kids, kids who grew up in church, kids who grew up in Sunday school, mess up their life, make up unwise decisions because they ought to have known better. They're not destitute of the mind of Christ. They have it. But, and they had every divine resource available to them. So they ought to have done better. So, this is what Solomon is alluding to. For in much wisdom is much grief. And he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. The increase of sorrow is when you don't do, when you don't follow godly wisdom. The increase of sorrow is when you don't do what God wants you to do. So how do you get it? How do you get godly wisdom? It's gained by faith. Godly wisdom is begotten by faith. Let's take a look in James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 5. James chapter 1, verse 5, and then verse 6. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, not wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Godly wisdom will only come when instead of communing with your heart, you commune with God. That makes sense. So I'm going to conclude here. And I'm going to use Solomon's conclusion as well. Let's go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And verse 13, let's conclude it. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of men. It's simple. You always have two decisions to make in your life. Every time. You, have, you come to a fork in your life. It's two decisions. Do I make the good decision? Or do I make the best decision? Do I make the good decision? Or do I make the best decision? Do I take the good route in my life? Or do I take God's route in my life? Tomorrow morning you will be faced with a decision. Do I sleep in, then go to work? Or do I wake up early and spend time with God? When I go to work, do I let my Christian light shine or do I hide it under a bushel? Before Wednesday and Sunday hits, 
do I base my schedule around the times that I could go to church or should I base my church going times around my own time when it's convenient for me? Because you see, it's wiser to make the faith-based decision. That's the bottom line. It's wiser to make the faith-based decision. It is wiser to obey God and to do what the Bible says. And I think this is why King David pleaded with God to search him and to know his heart so that David was not making his decisions by communing with his own heart. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. Because the heart is absolutely deceitful when it is left to itself. When God is not in the picture, the heart will lead you astray. Christian, it is of the utmost importance that you search your heart daily. You need to search your heart daily. Search it whether it be submitted to God's will. A heart that isn't submitted to God will eventually become deceived. And that's how it is. I'm reminded of William Borden. Borden, he got saved at a young age, and he grew up in a very wealthy family. The family was, uh, wasn't really a Christian family, but eventually they professed to be Christians. But after he graduated high school, everyone thought that this young man was going to be one wealthy young man. They thought that he was one of the most talented uh, young men. When he graduated, he, uh, he graduated with the t- highest marks from high school. So what his father did, his wealthy father s- decided, well, I'm going to send you off on a little tour around the world. So that's what his father gifted him as a high school gift. While Borden was going around the world, his heart was more and more troubled by the fact that he was seeing more and more people on their way to hell. This is, we're talking nearly a hundred years ago that this happened. So after he finished his tour and he came back under the preaching of a really famous preacher named R.A. Torrey, he was convicted and he gave his life to become a missionary in service to China. So during this time, he decided to go to Yale for his, uh, for his training. Yale is a prestigious school. It still is. Yale University, while he was in Yale, what he did was he started a Bible and prayer club. According to Borden's friends, they would describe him as a uh, sociable, charismatic, athletic, a model student to everyone. At the end of his graduation, at, at the end when he graduated from college, before he entered his mission field, people only had thoughts of how foolish he must have been to have forsaken the money that was coming to him. He forsook to become the heir of the Borden uh, Borden Company. He forsook the millions of dollars that he would have inherited if he were to stay with his parents and stay in America. People called him foolish. He could have had a great legacy is what people thought. But Borden only had one thought in his mind, and what he did was he wrote it on the back of his Bible. Borden died at the age of 25. 
But here's what he wrote on his Bible. Here's what godly wisdom will give you. He realized there was no reserves. He realized there was no retreats. He realized there was no regrets. When you look at a man's life who dies at the age of 25, who ends up giving up everything this world can possibly offer, he could have been a modern-day Solomon. But he gave it all up. And Philippians 3.8 says, Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. I think Borden left a great legacy, especially for many Christians today. Last week, Pastor White taught on Revelation 20 and what happens in the 1,000-year reign of Christ. We saw how many untold millions would be born during that time, but also how many of them will never get saved. These unsaved will live peacefully until Satan is finally loosed from the bottomless pit. Satan will proceed to deceive these unsaved people and these people who were unsurrendered to Christ, who had never accepted Christ, will finally end up rebelling against Christ. If you see the ending, and you can read the ending, they will all be destroyed. So friend, in your heart right now, would you search it? Would you search it whether if it's truly saved, and then whether if it's truly surrendered? Is it truly submitted to Christ? Does Christ have his full lordship over it? And how can you know if it is fully Christ's? Through the gift of godly wisdom.